Welcome to the Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It is Friday, the day after President Biden's first press conference. Uh, and who better to talk uh, with about that than, than the witty but depressing Tim Miller. This is your new thing, witty but depressing. You're willing to embrace this, Tim? Put it on my tombstone, Charlie. Hey, before we, we get into everything, uh, I, I just I just got to give a shout out to this video production that you do, Not My Party, that you do for Snapchat, because it, if people have not watched it, it is, it is amazing. You have some pretty high production values on it. That must be fun to produce. Thank you. Yeah, it's super fun. Our The, the producer, Drew, is amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, we put a lot of time into it, um, which is why we're trying to do bigger picture stuff, because it takes... You know, the turnaround time. Uh, so it's not necessarily you're, you're on the news cycle, uh, witty, ta- witty, but depressing takes. You can come to my Twitter feed for that. But uh, so, yeah, this week we did cancel culture and um, it's fun. You know, some pop culture references. We're talking to the teens. Like most of the viewers of it are under 25. It's like a whole new, it's a whole different world out there over on Snapchat, Charlie. Now, see, this is what is interesting because I'm, I'm guessing that our demographic would skew a little bit older than that. But than 25, but, yeah, a little well, bit. Well, Just but but your thing reminds you know should remind people that you can be entertaining and creative without dumbing down the content. And in your discussion of the cancel culture, I thought was really good. Great cameo appearance by Jonathan Swan from uh, from Axios about that. But um, but you know, and, and again, it's. It is. I, I urge people to to to, to watch it. It, it. it is it is nuanced, pointing out where the cancel culture goes too far, and obviously everybody's been talking about the Lexi McCammon piece. But then the way it's cynically manipulated by political hacks like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and others who who use it as you know to have turned any criticism of an elected official into cancel culture, which of course is bullshit. Yeah, and and I just think that's the most important thing about this is sort of de disentangling those two things because like one is a real problem, one is phony bullshit. So yeah, uh, and I think the talking to the kids, obviously this is driven bottom up by young people a lot of times. So so I thought it was an important thing given the audience for that. So yeah, send it to your teens, your nieces, your nephews, your grandkids. I don't I don't want to age anybody. However, your younger brother. Well, it is one of the coolest things, we, and you can find it on on the bulwark. And, and I think that what you've done is also very interesting. That you essentially have the transcript there, so if people want to read it, um, they can they can do that. And or if, if you watched it and then you want to go back and say what was that point, it's it's good. Okay, so it is Friday, and we wake up to find out that uh, Dominion Voting Systems is suing Fox News for one point six billion dollars. That's with a B. What I love about all these voting machine lawsuits is, I mean, they are going big and they're going hard. And finally, they're going for the mothership. They're going for the mothership, Fox News. Yeah, Dominion. It's going to be Walmart, Amazon, Dominion. Uh, You know, they're going to be owning everything uh, by the end of the decade. It's... it, it is satisfying. Hopefully, hopefully they're successful. Um, it is satisfying because for me, I was just thinking about this this morning. It, 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 it's, it, it tells us something that we all have known intuitively. And that is that, you know, all media outlets have bias. There's no doubt that CNN and MSNBC don't have bias. Fox has bias. But that there's something categorically different about what is happening at Fox. You know, and and now I guess CNN did get sued over the um, 
the Covington kids. Um, but yeah. you know, it was, that was, a, I think a small, obviously a smaller error. It was an error, but it was a smaller one. You know, this is a fundamental lie that, that a person in power was demanding their supporters tell and a functional news outlet uh, spread it for for months and months or not i guess for two months um and and so hopefully they're held to account for it and and i think by being held to account for it 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 would put it puts a little detail and specificity on okay here is what we've been saying the whole time about why fox is something separate from a news outlet really i mean it is an entertainment and conservative commentary outlet there's nothing wrong with that there are a lot of commentary outlets out there but 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 they should be treated in a different category as as outlets that are aspiring to do news even if they they fall down on the job sometimes and i think this also answers the question or may answer the question of are there going to be legal consequences for the big lie does our system yeah. actually have some sort of guardrail that that if you engage in this kind of absolute deception with huge consequences for american democracy is there anything we can do about it? Are they going to be able to hide behind the absolute malice standard of libel or claim that it's simply political free speech or the Sidney Powell argument? Well, no reasonable pe- person would absolutely believe it. But, um, you know, we, we are still playing out January 6th. And despite all the efforts to memory hole it, there are the criminal cases, there are the civil cases, and I do think they're all linking. So, And as notable, it's, Charlie, just really quick, because yeah, yeah. as, as people are down on our institutions and we should be and, and you know there are a lot of weakening and failed institutions out there ah, the courts you know over the past five years the courts in large part have held up right and and you know corporate america frankly you know has has held up and and you know held a line a lot of times when it went over the line maybe it's not exactly where you'd want them to place a line do we really want big companies being the ones that have to you know uh be the ones that are are uh, on accountability service for in our politi- for our politicians probably not but it is that that is notable right that that at this time where there is no accountability in our political system which I'm sure we'll get into today um, there is some in these other in these other institutions so there's a small irony here in just in in, in passing that that you have people on on the right like uh, Donald Trump and and uh, Justice Clarence Thomas who have been suggesting that uh, we we loosen up the libel laws, make it easier to sue people, maybe, uh, uh, you know, have the Supreme Court throw out the New York Times versus Sullivan, which basically says that it's not just enough for you to be wrong, you have to act with actual malice. It doesn't seem to occur to a lot of these people that if, in fact, you made it easier to sue for libel, they would be the ones who would be the most egregiously screwed because they they lie so much. Yeah, this is similar to the Section 230. Exactly. It's like, do conservatives really want... Uh, to loosen the ability out? to sue platforms for for false speech. Okay. Have you really thought this out, people? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna come back to to January 6th, including the fact that uh, the former guy called into the Laura Ingram show to to comment on this. But uh, let, let's just briefly talk about uh, the Joe Biden presser yesterday. Yeah. Uh, how you thought he did? How the media did? I I've called it media malpractice that you go through a 62 minute press conference, you don't ask a single question about the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, really, you don't do that. Um, but how, how, how did Biden do in his first uh, 
uh, in his first press conference. Yeah, I guess I have a two-tiered thought on my Biden review, uh, which is tier number one being thank God for Joe Biden. <laughs> I, I mean, he just um, – he reminds – uh, he just repeatedly reminds um, that he's unique in his party, uh, you know, in, in a way that he, he doesn't kind of get sucked into some of this, you know, less popular turf um, that some in the media and some on the left w- want to drag him into. And, you know, he holds you know, the line on his on, on his messaging in a way that I think is broadly popular, which is why he's maintaining broad popularity. Um you know, he didn't do anything that the former guy did. You know, there was no praising of Nazis, attacking journalists, calling people ugly, telling people to inject anything into the body besides the vaccine, which we've now doubled our uh, the goal on. So there's this basic competence, um, basic decency and empathy that is just a huge upgrade. And so in, in, in my critique that's about to follow, it, it, that comes, uh, uh, it's a second second order. Yeah, no, in in, in, in my newsletter, I, I quoted your your tweet making that point, saying you know that Joe Biden's presser felt strange yesterday because it was so normal. Normal. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was it was weird because here's a guy who's like talking about substantive issues, and that kind of rattled everyone. That rattled America. Okay, so yeah. and I, was, I, I will just say on the substance though, like there are times. I, there is maybe a political purpose to the, you know, comparing what's happening in Georgia to saying it's worse than Jim Crow, but you know, I, the truth also does matter. And like, it's just, that's just not true. Right. I mean, um, there, there are plenty of things to criticize with the Georgia law. We can talk about that, but you know, what's happening down there is not, what the you know the bill that Gabriel Sterling is supporting, for example, is uh, it's not Jim Crow, right? I mean, it's it's bad, it's insane that people in Georgia are um, uh, uh, taking or changing their election laws because of the president's big lie. But I, you know, we're we're it's gilding the lily, um, yeah. and, and so that that's worth noting. Uh, you know, there are other things like it. It feels like he's shooting from the hip on Afghanistan, for example, when he's up there, um, and. and uh, you know, for uh, it, it's honestly seemed to me he just kind of decided in the moment that he was going to answer the question about whether we'd be in Afghanistan next year. Now, obviously, we, we have bulwark listeners who are in Afghanistan. We have you know people that are concerned. You know, we're concerned about their safety. This is a this is a delicate negotiation uh, that that made me wince a little bit. Um, that he he's just kind of doing this on the fly in a, in a very delicate negotiation as to how we you know kind of safely get troops home. So, uh, you know, there are a couple of other things on, on the border, uh, details that I, I don't think were technically true. So, uh, yeah, you know, that there, there is this kind of challenge, I think for people, I guess, like, how do you deal with that? Right. In, in that we're, we are in this new post-Trump world in this post-truth world where, where Biden is clearly demonstrably better than the alternative, you know, but he, he's still got a responsibility as the president to be a little bit more precise on some of this yeah, stuff. Our, a lot of, a lot of our, the right-wing uh, criticisms were BS. But, but yeah, there no, was- our, our job is not to be fanboys here. You know, part of it is is what is the standard to judge him on? And I think that's kind of what you're getting at here. You know, I mean, the the in, my instinctive standard is that he's so not Trump. It is so refreshing. It's so wonderful that right. anything he does that is, you know, is like he hasn't he hasn't spewed twelve lies in the last fourteen seconds. So this is this is an upgrade. <laughs> uh, on, on the other hand, if you're a Fox News viewer, you, you've been you've been marinating in all of this commentary that uh, that he's that he's senile, that he's halting, that he's not going to be able to say anything, that he's you know going to be I, whatever. It, you know, Ben Shapiro is completely. Li- By the way, I'm dogging Ben Shapiro on this because he, the guy has become such a 
it, it is interesting uh -huh. watching how he's become this clickbaity um, hack. But anyway, so so for those people, um, it, it's got to be interesting when he's actually quite substantive and quite knowledgeable. I mean, he's 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 Joe Biden. Look, I mean, he's Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been a gaffe machine forever. He is voluble. He doesn't know when to shut up. He will he will wander around. He will go down, you know, dark alleys, you know, rhetorically. So the, the press conference has always been the, the most dangerous thing for him. And by that standard, I, he did just fine. He's not great. He didn't excel. He didn't knock it out of the park. But I thought he was he was fine. The other thing, though, is just kind of turning the lens around, press conferences are just stupid. I mean, these things are performative. Oh they are staged events. Um, you know, it, it's a chance for the media to show off. You know, there's no interviewer in the world that would have sat down one-on-one -on -one and not brought up the recession, not brought up, uh, you know, the question of, you know, school reopening or uh, the, the, uh, the vaccine rollout or vaccine hesitancy, or what does he think about the state? It wouldn't happen, but you get a group of reporters together and you kind of got that, that weird group thing. So en enough of the stuff about how, you know, American democracy needs more press conferences. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm good for a while. I mean the report. Uh, yeah, if I, if my grade of Biden was good on an extinction, an instinctive level, and you know pretty good, um, passable with some critiques on a substance level, um, you know the the review of the press is just you know Fs all around. I guess maybe not Fs, but Ds. Um, uh, it was it's astonishing that they they didn't ask about the the virus. I, I think part of this is that Biden is doing such a good job on and the trajectory is so good, right? And so reporters see it as their their job at these press conferences to, you know, try to to you know get to do a gotcha, right? To try to get sure. them off. It's why people don't like the press, right? And so instead of having substantive questions, okay, what is it? so you say two hundred million, you know, vaccines in a hundred days? Okay, so then what's the next step? How many vaccines do we need to get to? Uh, yeah, you know, what does that mean for schools? I mean, there are a lot of substantive questions that you could then ask. Maybe the answer, maybe they aren't gotchas, right? Maybe Biden has great answers to them, but they're things people should know. That's the point of a press conference, ostensibly. Uh, and then the political obsessions. You know, every question is about the border because that's what Republicans are complaining about. Every next question is about like multiple questions about whether he's going to run in 2024. Really? Really? Like, yeah. Asking him to grade himself and like whether he's passing or failing on bipartisanship. And what's what purpose does that serve? I, I didn't know there was it was like a good question on China. I thought. There's of course, of course, the border merited a question or two, maybe not eighteen. Um, at, but but the vast majority of the questions I thought were pretty stupid, uh, and I thought that that was a miss. They they missed the plot big time. Well, also especially since the average American in the real world is thinking about the coronavirus, is yes. thinking about the vaccine. Am I going to get the vaccine? Is my power, my parents going to get the vaccine? What's going to happen? All of those things. What so does life look like after the what vaccine? What does life when look we start like? Doing egg, egg, exactly. Okay, so um, Donald Trump calls into the Laura Ingram show afterwards. This is, the, the segue is going to be a little bit rough here. But, um, <laughs> and, 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 I, and we would love to turn the page not really, because we're still living in, under under the shadow of of, of Donald Trump, and we, we were talking about January sixth before. And I thought this was extraordinary uh, what he had to say about the uh, ab about the insurrection, the riot, the way in which 
the people on the right in general have been, you know, drop, dropping in the memory hole or turning the dial to, to make it different. You know, the Ron Johnsons, you know, saying I never, I never felt uh, threatened. I mean, these were, you know, law abiding people who loved America. You know, they weren't scary like, you know, those Black Lives Matter people. I mean, that would have been scary. Well, here's Donald Trump calling into Laura Ingram. Now, Laura Ingram sets it up by asking about the security. But I, but I want to get your take on this because this whole issue of how do we remember January 6th is, is going to be with us for a very, very long time. All right, let's play that. It would have been burned down to the ground. Are you Those concerned? are the ones you have to worry about. Are you concerned that the U.S. Capitol after January 6th uh, has become a fortress protecting uh, the Capitol from the people who are supposed to actually be the ones in charge here, not the people who are, uh, are sitting in the Capitol surrounding themselves by razor wire? I think it's disgraceful. It looks for the world to watch. Absolutely. It's a political maneuver that they're doing. Uh, it was a zero threat. Right from the start, it was zero threat. Look, zero. Uh, they went in. Uh, they shouldn't have done it. Uh, some of them went in, and they're they're hugging and kissing the police and the guards. You know, they they had great relationships. Uh, a lot of the people were waved in, and then they walked in and they walked out. And I'll tell you what, they're doing things to the. They're persecuting a lot of those people, and some of them should be. Some things should happen to them, but. Uh, when I look at Antifa in Washington, even when the, what they did to Washington and what they did to other locations and the destruction and frankly, the killing and the beating up of people and nothing happens to them whatsoever. Why aren't they going after Antifa? I watched this gentleman on 60 Minutes the other night. It was horrible what he said. Now, are, you he about, now, are you talking about the former prosecutor who's prosecuting yeah. uh, some of yeah, this is a former prosecutor who was talking about the possibility of sedition charges, etc. So, uh, Tim Miller, zero threat, yeah. hugging and kissing the police, at least the ones they didn't kill, hugging and kissing them. These were good people, and and they're being treated badly. They're victims, and mm. and what about Antifa? I mean, it's this this that little soundbite. I mean, you got a lot going on there, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I crammed a lot in. Well, before before I get to my outrage, I just. Can we just take one second to appreciate how sad and pathetic it is that, like, he feels like he's got to call into his little safe space, Laura Ingram, after Biden's press conference to give a rebuttal? I mean, just how low and embarrassing mm. that, I mean, like, imagine Barack Obama doing that. Like, I can imagine, uh, you know, the, uh, even in the mainstream media, I think that there would have been, you know, a, a, a sense that Obama's really going to call in to CNN after Trump press conferences and re, and re, do rapid response. I mean, it's pathetic. It's, it's pathetic. It's a person that's desperate for attention. Uh, and so uh, I, 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 we should appreciate that, um, that this is a sad man. Uh, that said, the content that they're putting forth, uh, it, it, we, we've talked about this before, but it is just, it's really bad. It's really alarming. And that there are millions of people that are getting fed this stuff and they are going to just retcon this whole thing right. and, and, and change the reality and create a reality too for 50, 60, 70 million it's, people. And it's happening right in front of us. I mean, you yeah. have to like make the moment, like, wait, 
Okay, let's put that on pause and go remember the videos that we've seen. Yeah. This wasn't that long ago. The violence, the flags beating the cops, you know, the cops, the number of people that died, the, the, the tear gas, the bear stuff. And here's the president. And you say, just rewriting it, they were hugging and kissing the police. There was zero threat. Nothing happened. You didn't see it. You imagined it. Dozens of police were injured. It's not just no. Seknek who died and two others who, who then committed suicide in the following weeks. Dozens of others were injured. Serious injuries, lost, uh, you know, fingers. Uh, and, and, and you know, there is no, obviously there's no pushback. But again, that goes to what we were saying earlier about the lawsuit with Fox. I, I mean, this is propaganda, right? Like the, the idea that he could get away with this, a former president could go on one of the most watched news channels and just absolutely lie about an attack on the Capitol that resulted in the death of a cop that he had instigated and not have any pushback. I mean, there, there was one pushback, I guess, from Laura, where she was like, well, as, as, as the lawyer here, I think, you know, you didn't play that clip. Like, I don't know that we should get into the specific specifics of the big lie uh you know she didn't want the the lawsuit to go up to 2.8 billion but uh but 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 no pushback on the substance you know not even trying to not even trying to question and this is happening across the network like there's uh, there is an entire universe of people who they aren't they maybe have seen that video that we've all seen the horrifying video of the cops you know trying to hold the line and their eyes getting gouged out maybe one time right like they 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 showed Mm -hmm. it the day of right they haven't seen that video on fox uh to your point yesterday about the biden press conference they're not seeing you know the full um uh breadth of his knowledge on issues right they're just seeing the the one or two times he's stumbling he's kind of getting lost in his words or, or forgetting what he wants to say so so, uh, you know, how do you how do you break through that bubble? Uh, it, it's it's really alarming. Well, th- and this is not just, you know, tut- tutting in hand and ringing about Donald Trump lying about something that happened a couple of months ago. I mean, th- this is a continuing problem. I mean, the big lie, and you have a great piece in the bulwark today. Uh, the big lie is alive and well in Virginia, which th- if, you, if there's any doubt that people have um, that this is infecting the Republican Party deeply, um, read, read Tim's piece. And you talk about the Republican party of Virginia, as you point out, the once thriving Republican party of Virginia has gone all but extinct in less than a decade. Democrats have swept the statewide elected offices, hold both Senate seats, control of both the house of delegates and the state Senate. Joe Biden crushed Trump by 10 points, nearly half a million votes in Virginia, which used to be a Republican state. And yet the response of the Republican party is to is to embrace as as, as hard as possible, as, as closely as possible, the kind of stuff we heard last night, you know, that Trump, yeah. you know, Trump, the coup, everything. So tell me about what's happening in Virginia. Well, this is the first big race, statewide race after, you know, 20, after the, the runoffs in Georgia, after, I guess, you know, Trump is officially out of office. This is and, this year. Yeah, it's yeah, it's this year in November. And so so it has traditionally been, you know, kind of a first look at the way, you know, what the political environment is. It's usually been a tough race for the incumbent the 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 president who wins the party or the party who wins the presidency rather has lost the Virginia governor's race every time but one over the past like half century. Um and and so you know, the 
in a state like Virginia, as you're saying, that has gone from red to purple to blue, like you would think this would be a place where Republicans would say, in a logical world, and not in the world that we live in, you know, if a, if a, if a foreigner had come, a, a political strategist from another country had come by and said, you know, what, what, what's a, just looked at this on paper, what should the Republican Party of Virginia in a state that has gone blue do in the first election after Trump, after the insurrection? It's probably like turn the page, right? Like get some fresh blood in there, you know, try to change things up. It's not as if there isn't an opportunity in Virginia with the Northam scandal. McAuliffe is up. He was in a scandal last time. You know, the schools issue has been hot in Northern Virginia. So, so you would think that like that is the logical, you know, uh, strategic move. And yet, as I looked at what was happening in this race, it's totally the opposite. The front runner right now is Amanda Chase, calls herself Trump in heels, said that the insurrectionists were patriots. Uh, blamed, attacked the cops for killing the one uh, insurrectionist who who was shot, um, you know, through the window as they were trying to break into the Capitol. Uh, said that they were murderers. You know, I thought Blue Lives Matter, but said that the cops were the murderers in this case. She's the front runner in the race, and, and so you know, then you've got these two quote unquote so he, yeah pro cop killing and pro coup. Yeah, pro Koku <laughs> front runner calls herself Trump in heels. Um, you know, competitive category for Trump in heels right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, then you've got these two businessmen that are considered the quote unquote mainstream candidates, Pete Snyder and Glenn Youngkin. And yet, it, I thought this was funny from a strategic standpoint. I noticed Charlie, both of them in the last month have given Fox News an exclusive on their quote unquote election integrity plan to, to, that, that they were going to put forth to solve the election. I, I emailed both candidates. I asked our campaigns asked if they would just state clearly that there was no election integrity issues in Virginia, that Joe, that the state that they're going to, you know, wanting for governor of that Joe Biden won it clearly. There was no meaningful fraud. And, and you know, no, they just either didn't reply or send back their, their in election integrity memo. Uh, you know, so that's all you know, maybe not saying that the insurrectionists are patriots, but it's buying into, you know, the underlying theory here that there's some kind of fraud that needs to be resolved in a state that Trump, like you said, Biden won by half a million votes. And there's no, there's no evidence of any fraud in the state. So they're all going along with what is underpinning the big lie, maybe without walking all the way up into saying, hell yeah, I'm glad they gouged out the cop's eye like like Amanda Chase did. So uh, this is it. There's nobody. Um, you know, Barbara Comstock, who, who was a Northern Virginia congresswoman, and, you know, people might, she's a pundit now, yeah. so people might know her. She has been clear anti-big lie. She was recruited to get in the race and basically came down on the fact that the party, that there's not room for her. There's right no way. In this party, you know, so she couldn't even run. So here, so I mean, it, it is just Well, think really about it, the Virginia party. Not Alabama. And- no, I mean, so the Republican Party in Virginia has purged centrists like Barbara Comstock and Denver Riggleman. I mm-hmm. mean, they have they have taken the people who were actually electable in some of those seats and they've gotten rid of them. Um, I think she lost at a general election. But OK, so I'm going to connect the dots here because I was thinking about this. And uh, before I mention, um, Jim Swift has a piece in uh, The Bulwark. Uh, he spent seven hours watching a <laughs> seminar at Regent Sucker. University. You know, I know. But uh, watching this uh, the seminar on, on election integrity, which was chaired by former um, crazy congresswoman Michelle Bachman. And what's really clear reading your piece and reading Jim's piece is, 
how deeply invested the Republican Party is in the big lie, in propagating the big lie, in going back and trying to put some meat on the, the non-existent meat on the bones of, you know, that the election was stolen. And then, of course, using that as the springboard to make these various other changes, but connecting the dots here. So start start with where, you know, you know we, we, we began. You have these states that Republicans used to do well in. They have been wiped out, and yet their response is to go crazier and Trumpier. And by crazier, you know, we mean really buying into this. I mean, when, when your front runner is somebody who called on Trump to declare martial law as recommended by General Flynn, um, you know, we're talking about really out there. But the same thing is happening to the Republican Party in places like Georgia, Texas, Arizona, Virginia, obviously. Colorado. Ohio, Missouri where the former governor who was forced out of office by his fellow Republicans in disgrace is running for U.S. Senate. And in Ohio, where there's an open Senate seat, and it's, it, is a, it is a race, who is the most extreme Trump? Did you, you saw the story in Politico, right, where they apparently had a Hunger Games thing where all of the Republican candidates went down to Mar-a-Lago to kiss Donald Trump's ring. People, I mean, if you haven't read this Politico story, you have amazing. to read it. It is, it is just amazing. astonishing. It's like the scene for, for anybody who's watched Succession. Did you ever watch Succession? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember the boar on the floor scene? <laughs> like the, the, it's, a, it's this rich magnate who, who basically is playing a Rupert Murdoch character. And he, he, he brings all of his, uh, you know, his senior executives out to uh, his, uh, his ranch or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're all having a retreat and, and he makes them all get on the floor and pretend to be bores while he while he like yells at them and throws things at them and this is like trump literally made the four ohio senate candidates play bore on the floor in in trump international in west palm Uh, i guess i I used a joe biden literally there so not literally but basically um and 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 this event that they they went to hold this trump suck-up session was a fundraiser for the maga candidate who's primarying anthony gonzalez whose only sin against trumpism against conservatism is voting for impeachment I, this he's, is, he's, he's a con- like, he's a, co- a congressman yeah, yeah okay yeah he's a congressman from ohio right he's mm-hmm. but he's not out there doing the kinzinger stuff god bless you know kinzinger you know who's, who's really taken it to 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 trump on the big lie and on in a bunch of other areas gonzalez has been pretty much a down the line you know Republican and but but looked at the evidence, voted for impeachment. Now they're primarying him. Every Senate candidate is supporting his primary opponent. All of them flew down to Trump International to to grovel for Donald Trump's endorsement. They're they're attack they're they're doing like this apprentice boardroom scene where they're they're attacking one another, you know, and Josh Mandel is like, I've got killers on my team. We're going balls to the wall. Like if I do something, I do it is it's like this nerdy Ohio guy talking about it is just it's a pathetic scene um but but it shows you know i think that this virginia and ohio virginia because it's the first race ohio because it's it seems like the first election primary that's really con- congealing um at you know show just how dominant trump is going to continue to be and just how dominant all of his pathologies and you know lies are going to be in the party you know for the time well, it is it's not just trump because i mean there are people who say well okay the 
the, the Trumpism, you know, putting America first or his policies on trade or on China or on immigration, these folks are not just linking themselves to the policies. They're taking the worst aspects of Trump that are the people, you know, the 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 aggressiveness, the vulgarity, the crassness, uh, the 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 deception, the lies, the coup, the attempt to overturn the election, and they're embracing that. I mean, that's what's really extraordinary about it. Because you could certainly imagine, you know, some of the Republican candidates, you know, are basically saying, okay, can we just ignore the tweets and let's talk about the policies? These folks are are like MAGA. Plus, is there a thing for that like that we can call it? Yeah, MAGA plus, uh, MAGA with hair was, on it, you know. Yeah, MAGA plus versus MAGA light. You know, was a yeah. discussion of how the what the primaries are going to be, and I'm starting to wonder: is there going to be a MAGA light lane? I mean, there's this no. discussion of this, right? In theory, you know, at the National Review, there's this discussion of you know maybe we can take the you know, cruel immigration policies and the protectionism, and and you know, kind of get rid of the the cult of personality, but. But who's trying that in, in, in actual political world, right? I mean, even if you look at Virginia, I guess if you've got this MAGA plus being Amanda Chase and MAGA light being Youngkin and Snyder, I mean, the MAGA light people still aren't saying that Joe Biden is the legitimate president of the United States, right? I, I mean, the MAGA light people are still, you know, uh, uh, you know, courting Sarah Huckabee Sanders endorsement like Pete Snyder just got the other day, right? I, I mean, the this sort of like cult element, the 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 d- degradation of the the discourse, I and mean, all of the things you're talking about, Charlie, uh, they're all everybody, all of the candidates so far are embracing all of that. Like there is no Trump without the tweets at the, at this point. Like that, I, I, that's not an appealing party to me personally because you know I'm not a uh, isolationist, but I, I guess it'd be better. Um, but uh, but nobody's even trying that. Well, and you know, in in terms of the MAGA plus, there, there's something else that's going on now, which is I I I, has, I have I talked about this yesterday with with Tom Nichols. And I hesitate ever to use words like fascism because they've been overused over the years. I don't know whether you've ever been called a fascist. I'm sure that I've been called a fascist at some point. And it's like, guys, there is a real thing, fascist. There's this thing going on on the right, which is extraordinary. And I, I kind of, I, I've written about it in the past. And we, we talked about this weird piece from the Claremont Institute that says, you know, the Constitution is dead. Conservatism is dead. Um, you know, we, we, we need to find a way to fight the human rodents who aren't real Americans who vote for Joe Biden. And it's like, guys, if this isn't fascism, what is? But then last night on Tucker Carlson, He's got on this far right figure, Jesse Kelly, a guy that's really trafficked um, in civil, you know, civil war cosplay type stuff. And they actually use the F word. Can, can I, I'm going to just want to play this and get your reaction. Themselves. This is, they use, this is not like us cucks sitting out here going, hey, you guys are kind of sounding a little fascistic. I mean, maybe you ought to dial it back. No, they're, this is Tucker Carlson who brings this really extreme, I mean, you know, this is a guy that, you know, has really kind of played around with the idea of civil war violence and, uh, you know, all of this stuff. And they talk about, well, let's just, let's just play it. I think you make a really solid point about the sadness and the powerlessness that people feel in the face of this. And at some point people are going to say, why should I follow the rules? Why should I be a good citizen 
if they don't have to follow the rules? I mean, things kind of break down at some point, don't they? Well, they will Trump. break down. They are breaking down, Tucker. I, I've said this before, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm worried that I'm right. The right is going to pick a fascist within 10 to 20 years because right. they're not going That's to right. be the only one, the only ones on the outs. There's 60, 70 million of us. We're not a tiny minority. And if we're going to be all treated like criminals and all subject to every single law while Antifa Black Lives Matter guys go free and Hunter Biden goes free, oh, then the right's going to take drastic measures. And it's not about Hunter Biden and his drug use. Nobody cares. The guy was bumping booger sugar exactly. lines of European hookers on the weekend. It's about justice that he's never held accountable for, and none of the Bidens are. But you would be, Tucker, and so would I. Hunter Biden That's will make so us become well put. And fascists. You're absolutely right. We're moving toward actual extremism because they're undermining the system that kept extremism at bay. And I, I don't think we can say that enough. I'm so glad that you just said it, Jesse oh Kelly. God. Thank you. Well. Kelly. You bet, Tucker. It's, there they are. You, 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 you people. Hunter, Hunter Biden's going to make us go full fascist. Going to make us go extremist because, you know, if why should we play by the rules? By the way, these are people who who supported Donald Trump for the last four years. It's like, and now suddenly it's like, hey, rules, norms, people. By the way, what is booger sugar? Uh, cocaine. Charlie Booger Sugar is cocaine, um, uh, and I okay. think it was kind of a reference to uh, to to Hunter's extracurricular activities. I, I, I've got I've got so many thoughts about that. I, I mean, this is it's the most alarming minute of audio I, I've heard in, since we've gotten rid of Trump. Um, and and I want to I, I mostly want to draw your attention just to if if you re-listen to it again, when when Jesse Kelly says you know the Republicans are going to pick a fascist, you hear. Tucker kind of murmur under his breath, right? That's right. Like, mm-hmm. right. Like, good point. That's, that's correct. Like they are going to do that. So, I mean, he's essentially calling for it um, himself and it's all based on this like fantasy that they are being oppressed and that there's this kind of the, this system of justice that is, that is biased against conservatives of all people. And that 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 the that you know the, they're going to need to rise up to to overtake their oppressors. I mean, this it's just all hallucinated. It's all it's all imaginary. It, it's playing into the grievances of their of their viewers who want to feel aggrieved, who, who want to to um, you know stick their finger in the eye of the people they see as the you know kind of cultural. Um, uh, on the cultural ascendancy in this country, and, and that the response to that is going to be to institute a fascist government uh, that defends conservatives, white conservative Americans, and and punishes everybody else. I just, uh, when I was listening to it, besides just being so alarmed at, at the fact that there are millions of people watching that and nodding, um, and, and what that means for our for our polity, you know, the other thing that I that really struck me, Charlie, uh, was. What is what do you feel like as a black person watching that video? You know, I mean, for for hundred for two centuries, you know, there has been a real two tiered uh, system of justice in this country. Uh, there there was the actual Jim Crow that happened. Uh, you know, there was everything we've seen. You know, with police brutality all the way up to George Floyd, and, and and for years you've tried to work within the system. You know, voted for people you think will help protect your rights. Uh, done the responsible thing and voted for Joe Biden because you thought that he was the person that made the most sense and, and and here's Tucker Carlson you know who who 
I, I guess is upset that Hunter Biden isn't being imprisoned. And, and as a result of that, thinks that the, the conservatives are the ones that are, that there's a two tier system of justice against and that their response is, is Mussolini. Are you, are you I, for well, two minutes? Look, like, uh, like, how, I, else, how else, how else do you fight again? How else do you fight against uh, drag queen story hour and Antifa, which are destroying America. So we have to call in the army, right? We have to call in, we have to suspend civil liberties. So, I mean, you know, you, 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 you're, when you talk about the fantasy and, and it is, they're building this sense of victimization. They're building this intellectual superstructure that is, that is a fantasy, but it becomes real in terms of the reaction of the right. Now, Here's my my PTSD flashback. I mean, I, I remember that there there have always been people on the right who say crazy things, but they were sort of off on the corner. You know, the, the Pat Buchanan's talk about lock and load and all this stuff. But sure. Pat Buchanan was never going to become the president. He was never the mainstream of the Republican Party. And there were a lot of other people, the militia folks. And we could say, don't deal with it because they're on the fringes. But it's hard to make the case that you know, it's hard not to recognize that when you have Tucker Carlson talking about this on Fox News, that there's a real possibility that this is going to become part of the mainstream of what the conservative movement has become, Tim. Yeah, it is the mainstream. I mean, you're going to have millions of people listening to this. And 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 what, he, what they are doing is trying to get them comfortable yeah. with the notion that there needs to be this sort of revolution. I mean, and just, I, I mean, like, this is dangerous about, stuff. it's yeah. extremely dangerous. And and I don't know, maybe there, here's an alternative suggestion for these guys. How about putting forth appealing policies that can allow you to win, win elections? <laughs> I mean, like, this is the craziest part about all this. It's like, it's like they, they're so put upon, they're so persecuted against the white conservatives that 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 they need, you know, an Orban of their own now. I, I don't know. How about trying to uh, reappeal to the suburban voters that voted for you five years ago before you threw in with the with the with the bigot? I, well, there's a I, radical idea. So here's the thing for people who think, oh, God, Tim, you and Charlie are just being too paranoid about all of this. There's no way that we're ever going to have, you know, you know, a fascist counter revolution in this country or, or whether anyone would take that seriously, except that we just lived through the, the attempted yeah. coup. And we still have, what, 60 million people who doubt the legitimacy of our democratic elections. And this is one of the reasons why we have been so reluctant in both parties to ever undermine the legitimacy of our democracy, because once you do that, you open up a can of, you open up a Pandora's box. And so we've already seen this. I mean, we actually, in the last few months, have seen people discussing in the White House things like martial law, you know, trying to flip a legitimate free and fair election. So I'm sorry, this, and you know what this the, is no longer that far-fetched. And you know what the response to that was, Charlie? Not, whoa, you know, we took this thing a little too far. Let's dial it back. The response is, oh, those elites, uh, you know, the other tribe is being unfair and it's persecuting uh, the person that was attempting the coup. Like that, that's their response, that, that it's actually been an overreaction from us crazy cucks and that like the people who went into the Capitol are, are now being persecuted persecuted against the law. So there so when they saw us walk maybe not quite up to the brink because it was such a clownish attempt, but you know, a few steps from this brink, they thought we needed more, not less. So yeah. I I don't know how you cannot be just uh, just alarmed. I don't I don't think that means you know Mussolini's coming to America in 2024, but 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 this is a continued um you know poisoning of the brain 
in the mind of, a, of an absolutely huge chunk I, to Jesse's I, own words, 50 million people in this country. I, I just, you know, that's remarkable, but it's also remarkable the fact that you don't have just louder, more eloquent other Republican voices speaking out saying, okay, this is not who we are. You know, maybe we should do what you just suggested, you know, come up with policies that would actually win elections as opposed to trying to, you know, uh, you know, recruit our own Victor Orban. All right. So this is why I'd rather, this is why I'd rather think about the ever given. I mean, really, I, I, this is why I, I hope to spend the, the weekend with the, the most stressful thing that I do thinking about whether or not they're going to get that big ship out Bring of Bring in a boat this. expert on Monday, Joe. You knew you were going to get depressing but witty with me. If you brought depressing. in a boat expert instead on Friday, you know, maybe maybe you would have had a different conversation. I, I I, was my, my only theory was a wider depressing. canal. Yeah. Well, I don't know. See, this is the maybe this is a Wisconsin thing. I know you're a California guy. I, I wonder if they've tried rocking, rocking the boat back and forth. Ooh, you know, okay. Jim, Jim Swift gets that. He un, he understands the the reference to all of that because anytime your car is stuck, you just rock it back and forth. Um, I I don't know. Just uh, I look at it and you think, you know, just this big giant hand, just this move it, just just you know, do it. You know, you would inch have it over. They, just inch it, inch it over. But it feels like. It feels like too obvious a metaphor, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it just feels, you know, 2021's got its metaphor. And we'll always, we're, I think we're always going to remember the boat that's stuck in the Suez Canal. Hey, by the way, America has a uh, has a new hero, or at least Fox News has a new hero, I'm guessing. Who's Probably going to be a host on Fox News soon. Um, the soon-to-be-fired Southwest Airlines pilot. You heard about that story? I haven't. I was, who, who, who's a big fan of, uh, of, of your area of the world, of San Francisco, and he was caught on an open mic. Uh, either taking off or landing in San Francisco, and let's just say that he's not a big fan of San Francisco liberals. Okay, and he's and he's somewhat obsessed with all of you uh, East Co- uh, West Coast liberals who drive Hyundai Hyundai's. I don't know why he's obsessed with that, but um, I got a he, Volvo myself. Of course, uh, you, do. you know. So I don't know of how course, that of that probably puts me on the wrong side of his uh, of his judgment. We probably need honestly. What we need is to deal with the Hyundai and Volvo driving Bay Area liberals is fascism. I mean, you know, I think that's the only logical solution for how to for how to deal people with people who dr- who drive Hyundais to their drag queen story hours. And um, how many? By the way, I don't see how many drag queen story hours are there in America. I just, I, I just, I'm. I can't wait to get back to them. That's all I'm saying, Charlie. Is is, that, is this, is um, I mean, if, if you read the New York Post or you read the Federalist or any of these guys, it's uh, it's it's like this is the cultural. This is it. This is this is why David French needs to be shot into the sun. The original was in Sacramento, um, you know, about ninety minutes east. So I just I drove my Volvo down there, and I and I took a picture right on the grounds of the original Drag Queen Story Hour, kind of for you know perpetuity, you know, a little a little keepsake a for me to hand on to my daughter. Yeah, I just did a little selfie there, uh, right at right at the for when it's canceled. See, this is the <laughs> thing about it: is we, we we have to do away with cancel culture, but we have to find a way to cancel the. Drag queen. Now, this is an earnest question here. I mean, are there hundreds of them? Um, where have they been made mandatory? I mean, wh- there, where? there are dozens. I don't think that they've been made mandatory Dozen? anywhere. No, um, I wouldn't think so. Yeah, but we uh, still, but we still need to be have a fascist regime to do something about the degradation of the culture. 
So I, I received a gift that I would recommend for any of you've got a new uh, baby in your family, Charlie. Yeah. So I just want to throw this out there. I, I don't tell so rap about this. So maybe we should put this last minute of the pod on board mm-hmm. plus, but a friend gave me a gift of a new book. Uh, it's called the hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. Um, my daughter loves it. It's, it is kind of to the theme oh, of the wheels on the bus. It. This is it. And uh, it is, it is a very popular with the three year olds. Um, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of outlandish costumes, a lot of outlandish wear, and uh, you know, so, so it'll probably be the a, next target. Is, this, It'll be canceled a, soon enough. This is a real thing. Oh yeah, the hips on the drag queen go swish, swish, swish. It's a children's book. Highly recommend. Oh, God. I, I can't top that. I got, no, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing to follow that up. So Tim Miller, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'll see you, Charlie. And thanks for listening to today's Bulwark Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We will be back on Monday. And we're not going to do the same thing all over again. We'll do something different. Um, Boat expert. Exactly.